0: Every person wants to be more productive. But the key to productivity is not just being more organized, scheduling, prioritizing deadlines. It's about laying out a plan that begins with a vision and ends with a final product that's aligned with that vision and all the steps in between. When you learn this system, it not only teaches you how to be more productive, but also helps you actualize your deepest potential. I'd like to welcome you to a new four-part series, How to Be More Productive. Using the Kabbalistic model of the four worlds, we will go through four steps, beginning with vision, followed by outline, shape, and finalize. These four steps will help you become a far better and greater person. Please join me. Hi, my name is Simon Jacobson. I welcome you to a new exciting four-part course how to be more productive, the Kabbalistic model from vision through outline, shape, and finalization, building something from the highest concept to a practical, beautiful result. This program is dedicated in loving memory of Avram ben Afraim. Each one of us, there's no person that does not want to be more productive. But productivity is more than just being more organized, scheduling, deadlines, and all the other tips that you get. Being productive is about really actualizing your deepest potential in a way that becomes a sustainable product in some way changes the world around you. This can be so in writing a book. It can be a musical composition. It could be a project at school. It could be anything out there. We're all in the process of building things. Building is a very broad term. But imagine somebody beginning to lay the bricks of a structure and there's no blueprint. No architect has laid out a, a concept. Imagine someone starting to write a book without a clue of a storyline. You don't have to have it all figured out, but something. So anything in this world that you want to build, that you want to produce, requires steps. And if you don't do those steps correctly, at some point it will give, or it will be compromised. So there's a fascinating model, Kabbalistic model. It's called the four worlds. But the word worlds is a little uh, misleading. It's not four planets. It's not four universes. It's four dimensions. I would call them four steps. Four steps used in the creation process that we can emulate and we need to emulate to be the best we can be. What are the four steps? The first is vision. You must begin with a vision. Then followed by an outline in turn, followed by a shape and form as you structure it. And the fourth step is to finalize the full dimensional in all its details and nuances, and you have a final product. It's finished. In this course, we're going to be going through all four of these. Each part is going to cover one of the four steps of this Kabbalistic model. And today, we will begin with the first step, which, of course, is the step that leads, everything, leads into everything else. It's called vision. The Hebrew word for it in the Kabbalistic model is called atzillus. It's a word that literally means emanation. But it also is associated with unity, with a bird's eye view. Vision is an excellent word that captures what it's all about. Anything worth talking about always has to begin with some vision. In business, they may call it a vision statement, followed by a mission statement. That vision is what will define and inform every step of the way. If you're lacking vision in anything, the product will never be a complete one and definitely will be compromised one way or another. And vision doesn't necessarily mean right now a spiritual vision and a deepest vision on a cosmic level. I'm talking about on a very basic level. Someone wants to build a home. So you sit down with an architect. The architect says, what would you like in your home? He says, well, I'd like 10 bedrooms. I'd like a beautiful living room. I'd like a dining room. I'd like a sitting room. children's playroom. A nice porch. All depending, obviously, on the square feet and, and so on. But the architect, a good architect, will say to you, but what, that's the details of the structure. But why do you want to have this home? Is this a country home? Is this a place of your primary residence? Will you have parties? In other words, what do you want? What's the purpose of the home? Forum follows function. What is the function? And this is true in any given situation. I counsel people about many different things, people in marriage, people who want to publish a book, or have different type, they want to start a business, or they have started and they're having challenges. The first question you want to ask is, what's your objective? What do you want to get across? Now many of us, it sounds simple, many of us however, don't always articulate that clearly. You have it in your heart, in your gut, and you may feel strongly about it, but you don't yet have it spelled out. It's critical to spell it out literally in writing, even one sentence. What do you want the final result to accomplish? So for example, someone wants to write a book. They have a, 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 their family story. What they learned through their family story, that we went through hardships, and we became a greater, we became greater people, a greater family. So you, what you want to show is how difficulties in life should not cause you to feel resigned, give up, but to come away stronger. And you have a way to teach it through your story. That's a, that's a lie. That's a vision. A vision that will help other people. I just used a very simple example. You want to build a home. Before you talk about the details, what rooms, how many rooms, what, is, what do you want in this home? What do you want to capture in this home? So look and feel is following the soul of the home. So the first step of all is vision, laying out the vision, having the bird's eye view, the larger perspective. Now, obviously, you can't build a vision. The vision will inform the next steps. If you stay there, many of us are dreamers. There are many people who are visionaries. But they never go further than that. There's no execution. That will address afterwards. But a bigger problem can be, if you have execution and you don't have vision, there are people who are excellent at implementing, and then you ask them, so what are you implementing? Oh, I'm not really sure. Or you say something that's not even accurate. Imagine coming, you're seeing a building going up, and you ask the people, the, con- the contractor and the different teams, so what are you building? They'll say, well, we're just following the instructions. They may not even know what they're building. So the key thing is to have, we we'll call it the soul of the whole picture. When I say soul, I mean the inner work, the inner dimension. What's driving you? What's in your heart? People ask, what should I do with my life? The first question has to be asked, when you, when, is not what you, what you should do with your life, what do you want to do? What drives you? What would give you satisfaction? Someone say, I'd love to build a beautiful family. Okay, we have something. I love to express my musical talent. So all these are vision levels where you're talking about something that is not the tangible structure, but what drives it. And it's critical. When the vision is not in place, all the other steps will be limited. Let's talk about it in a more psychological context. Love. You know, people have love. Love is a necessity in life to give love, to receive love. But there's healthy love, there's unhealthy love. We see it all the time. We see relationships succeeding. We see failing relationships, unfortunately. If you were able to apply the vision principle that I just stated, here's how it would work. You have two people who care about each other, married, let's say, for a certain period of time, but now things are really rocky. They're not getting along. There's tension, there's challenges. And you say to them, okay, so tell, besides telling me the problems, which are the symptoms, let's get to the root of it all. Dude, what is your vision for marriage? What is the vision of your home? You'll often find that people will not have an answer to that. They never thought of it. I never thought of it, I hear so often. I love this man, I love this woman. We've come together. We'll build a home and family. What values do you want to convey to your children when you will have children? When people come into your home, what vibe do you want it to give off? Many of us do not think about it. Not because we're bad people, because we weren't trained to think about it. Why is that so vital? Because even love itself, love is an emotional experience, a powerful one. But at the same time, what is driving this love? The love can be driven by selfish needs. We learn from our parents' love, which can be healthy, not healthy, something in between. The gray area. See, so even the word love, as powerful as it is, also needs direction. What does love mean? What is love meant to achieve? Now, if a person says, I feel my soul came to this world to accomplish and use my skills to make the world a better place. I know it sounds like a cliche. To spiritualize my environment. To bring a little more gentleness and kindness and tenderness into a hostile world. That is a visionary statement. And I will do so through my unique skills. I'm a good people person. I'm going to get involved in different social activities to bring bring some more kindness, to bring more virtue, to bring, to higher the spiritual consciousness or awareness of people. And if you can make a living from that, great, beautiful. It's driven by a vision, a vision. And the vision is specific to you because it's about your particular skills, how you're going to achieve it. Whenever people ask me, so what is your vision, what is your uh, mission? So my vision, is I'll stay straightforward, my vision is to use, well, before I say to you, let's talk about A Vision means how I see the future based on what I'm contributing. I'd like to see a world of complete world peace and harmony within diversity, respecting the diversity of all individuals, and people living up to their inner calling, all being part of an indispensable part of a large cosmic symphony. And therefore not distracted by other people, not having to please, but really something driven from within, basically to sing your song. Every person sing their song. And how, how, how do I contribute to that? I try to use my communication skills, my writing skills, my people skills to convey that message, to empower exactly what I'm doing right now. So there's a vision behind this course. The vision is, is to help people use this Kabbalistic model to become more fulfilled and living up to their higher calling in this world. So if you, haven't been, if you have that vision, and let's apply it now to love in a relationship, then your love is not driven just, okay, I love this person, I'm getting what I need, intimacy, companionship, a friend, all that other things love comes, the nurturing, the support, the confidence, the vote of confidence. But the vision is driven by, I'm sorry, the love is driven by a vision, by a Nazilus. So love will go into the execution states, which we'll talk about. The That came across with little sounds weird execution. I meant execution as implementation. We'll come into a, a outline and then a shape and then a finalization, which we will discuss. But the first thing is the vision of that love. If the vision of that love is that you and I together, our, through our love, will bring more love into the world, will bring children who will be loving people, will in some way infuse existence and everyone we come in contact with with a kindness, with something unique, empowering people, then the love is driven by a vision. And the love is directed and guided. So everything in life has to have that. If the love does not have a vision, what will happen is, it'll just be relying on its own own devices. So one day, the love may may lose vitality. It may be misguided. Because there's no vision driving it. And the same is true with everything. I mentioned before writing a book, building a structure, composing music a business project, whether it's building a business or a particular project in the business. Lay out the vision at the the outset and you will have that direction. The second thing you'll have from it is not just direction, you'll also have a unifying principle because that's what vision is. What is a bird's eye view at the end of the day? It's not losing sight, it's seeing the forest from the trees. Sometimes they use the expression seeing the trees from the forest even though it sounds incorrect, but it's used as well. What does that mean? In other words, not getting caught up in the minutiae and the details, which will be necessary when you get to that stage. But it's driven by, I see the picture. I see the panorama. I see the narrative. And now, let me spell it out into details. So it's also a unifying factor. So when you get caught up in the details, you always have that that, uh, reality check coming from the vision aspect. And just use it, explain it in an intellectual process. How often do we have an idea? You know, you have a flash of an idea. Then you begin to flush it out. Either with yourself, or you have a business, or you have a, if it's a business meeting, or it's a meeting of a brainstorm session, you bring up the idea. And people start arguing about it, and the pros and cons, and this one says, here's a way to do it, here's another way. What often happens? There comes a point of confusion. You have so many different details as you're fleshing it out, you can lose sight of the point of departure. And that happens very often. Then you say, what was our initial idea? If you didn't write it down, you may even forget it. So one of the tricks of the trade is, write down the initial idea before you begin to develop it. And it's critical to develop it. Not suggesting that we must have that stage where you bring it into all the details, and then you will weed out the details that seem to be the right ones, Let's say you have three ways to implement this this idea. So you lay it all out, the pros and cons. You argue it out. You stretch the idea in many different directions. So the first step is vital because that's where the point of departure is. Now, if you come to a conclusion that the idea wasn't a good one, okay, that's another story. But what you want is that the idea, the concept, meaning the vision of the concept, that spark, should always be there as the point of departure Because the rest of it is the details of that. And the details can overwhelm, and to the point of confusion. Very often we embark on a journey, we know know why we're going, but then once you get into the journey itself, so many distractions. You can wander off and lose sight, where did we begin? And what's the conclusion? That's the second component in this atzillus, this vision step, which creates a unifying element that unites all the details now an, an outsider may not see the importance of a particular detail but the one with the vision does say when uh, mozart presented one of his beautiful compositions to the archduke of austria the archduke thought he was a music a connoisseur of music he said to mozart beautiful but far too many notes and mozart to mozart purport, purportedly responded yes your majesty but not one more than necessary in other words, from an outsider's perspective, especially someone who isn't, isn't trained, many notes to me. Let's cut out a few notes. It's just too long. I remember once writing an essay, and someone who was typing it up before the day of computer just felt that it was too long and felt that some paragraphs were not even on the page. A person who had no clue what I had written, and they just decided to cut paragraphs and make them all even. And I come the next day, and I look at it, and I say, what happened here? I just wanted to make it look right. But cut out a few musical notes. You come to a beautiful mansion. And they say, wow, it's powerful, but too many rooms. Let's cut out this room, that room. The architect, the conceiver, the visionary comes and says, well, who cut out this room? Who? Who's... <laughs> because someone without having that perspective just looked at it practically and decided, you know what? It's too long. Let's just cut it right here. So vision also maintains the integrity which is point number three. So vision informs, unites, maintains the integrity of every detail and demonstrates how every detail is part of a bigger picture. You see there's some of these great classic novels or books written. And it goes into so many subplots and subplots, but then when you see it all come together, you say, wow. Now at the moment when you're in it, you don't always recognize how it's part of the story. Let's apply this now to our own lives and you'll see how important it is, this vision. We go through life. We live in the moment, past, present, and future. And if the present is a nice one and pleasant, we're happy. If there's a setback or any trauma or pain or loss or suffering, God forbid, we feel down. And sometimes we get depressed and people say, I can't really pick myself up. I'm overwhelmed. What's lacking And this is not a critique. We all understand being emotionally overwhelmed. So I'm not judging or questioning that. But what's lacking in the context, and I'm speaking philosophically now, not emotionally, is the vision. Your life is not over. The story is not over. So having a vision of life, also of your life, other people's lives, gives you context. It allows you to see and recognize that we're on a journey. Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning which affected so many people, is so much about that. Meaning that those that have a meaning in life, meaning a vision, because the meaning is not about a particular thing that you do, it's an overall purpose for your life, then you're it's much, much easier. Not that one suffers less, but easier to tolerate, easier to endure, because the vision is what carries you. So it's not a small matter, this step of vision. Vision really connects, brings perspective, purpose and meaning to everything that you do. And that's why it's a critical component to begin with. In the Kabbalistic structure of things, God could have created the world any way he liked. I say he, it, liked. We use anthropomorphic terms, human terms. But created the structure to give us the ability to align ourselves with that same model, which then creates a far more productive human being. Not just a productive human being, a productive group of people. Because if all 8 billion of us on this earth could identify the vision of existence, we may have different uh, ways of expressing it, but we can share it. There you have the formula for true world peace. Now I know I b- I'm jumping from a small microcosm to the macrocosm, but it's the same principle. is the principle of an overarching purpose. Now overarching purpose does not mean everybody does the same job. When you have a symphony, you have an orchestra, let's say you have a 100-piece orchestra. And this one's the violins, and these are the, there's the harp, and the flutes, and the, the different instruments. Each one needs to be doing what they have to be doing. They not, should not be doing what another is doing. Just as it is in, in nature itself, in the human body itself. Full of diversity, but all in a healthy organism. All synchronized, all coordinated. So this is not about eliminating individuality. It's demonstrating the greater vision that encompasses all and then allows everyone to do their part in that bigger picture. So that's a vision. When you talk about a visionary, a vision of the entire picture. But as I spoke about earlier, vision also comes down to very microcosmic level in your own personal life. When you have that vision, every day of your life is informed by that vision. That doesn't mean every day you do the same thing. But it's all coming together with one large encompassing picture. So the appeal of that is tremendous. I remember when I first discovered this idea. I was a teenager. And I said, wow, it's a beautiful way to look at life. But the challenge is the inertia, our status quo. We are preoccupied and consumed by moments. All of us can get distracted, even people with a vision. Because something happens in the moment, it affects you, especially emotionally, and you can get distracted, and you can forget. That is why we have to constantly have these reality checks. I like to call them signposts in your life. The signposts that keep you, the compass, the GPS that keeps you going toward the direction following the vision. We will talk about the conclusion. But right now, we're talking about the point of departure. So in practical exercises, let me suggest a few things. Whatever it is that you're doing, some of us started new hobbies or new projects during COVID. Others have, uh, are in the middle of doing different projects at work, at home, with family. So I will suggest a whole seri- a, a series of co- covering different parts of the spectrum of our lives. Let's start with a project that you may be doing. Just make... You don't need a journal, but at least a page. Where you're going, to write. you're going to write four, let's make it four pages, if we wish, or four sections. You write as much as you need to write. Four sections. One is going to be called vision. The other three we'll be speaking about, but I'll just tell you what the headlines are. Vision, outline, shape, finalize. So in the vision part, whatever it is that you're doing, write out one or two sentences. And don't mind, you can take your time, think it through, no rush. What is the vision of this project? What is that overarching vision? What do you want to see happen? What's driving you to do so? Not the details. We're not talking about the how. We're talking about the what. What is it? I want to bake a cake. I want to bake a chocolate cake. Then you'll figure out how to do it, what ingredients you'll need, and the taste, and so on and so forth. But the first step you want to do is what? Not the how. Now, it sounds simple, but very often we don't do that. That's exercise for ourselves in any project you're doing. As as far as let's train our children in the same regard. If you're a parent or an educator, it would be a great exercise. See what your children are involved in at school, at play, and help them think that way. On a child level, we're not talking about now a deep philosophical treatise, treatise on how to discover a vision. Just help them say, why are you doing this? What's driving you? and formulate that, especially if it's a project that they're involved in, maybe a family project, maybe a school project. The point is to begin to train our loved ones and the people under our care to think in those terms, that you want vision to inform the next steps. Very often we get stuck in things. I say stuck, I don't mean stuck, stuck, it can mean actually stuck, but we're in the middle of stuff and then you start saying, why am I doing this in the first place? So having a vision will always help answer that question. It would also help create, one more thing, passion. Because it's the vision that drives it. It's not the details that drive it. Even though some of us love the details, but details that are driven by that vision are critical. So that's the second exercise. A third one in your fear in marriage or relationship. The same idea. Write down for yourself what is the vision for this relationship in your own mind. If possible... I would compare notes and ask your partner, ask your spouse, he or she, tell tell what is your vision. Compare. Be interesting to see what people answer. I can assure you, just the question itself, before you even answer it, it will create tr- tr- great conversation. But more than great conversation, will actually enhance the relationship because it forces you to go deeper into who you are. And the same type of exercise you can apply to other. Activities that you're involved in. Be creative. Ask the question what is the vision? What is the big picture? In the Kabbalistic context of things, this world of Atsilus that I mentioned, world of unity, the world of vision, everything belongs. There's nothing extra, and there's nothing missing. It's a world completely aligned with the divine vision of existence. What would be the perfect picture? It's like, you know, you take a... Let's say somebody needs to get an X-ray of their lungs. So you'll see the doctor, after taking the X-ray, will put it on a screen and compare it to healthy lungs just to see. Here there may be a growth, God forbid, or a blockage. We always need to juxtapose whatever we have with a perfect model so we can see whether how far off are we. If you draw a circle just like that, the only way to know... But it's how close to perfection it is, you compare it to a perfect circle. You're playing music, you want to see what the masters did. So juxtaposing context and perspective is vital. So the idea of Atsilis in its fullest sense is saying, what would existence look like if it was exactly aligned with the way, with the purpose for which it was created? What would a machine look like in its purest form? For a human being, a newborn child, a newborn healthy child, everything is working perfectly. The lungs are heaving up and down. There are no pollutants or toxins yet. So we also look for that model, which is the ultimate purpose of the vision of something, is because the vision always provides the backdrop of the, and the model, the template, if you wish, of the more perfect version of what you want to create. Now, will it end up being exactly aligned with that? That's what we hope for. But it's always vital to see it in that way. Say, this is what I'm expecting. This is the standard. Or someone, say, going back to the vision of a life, of love and relationships, or a vision of what your family and home. Ask yourself that question. What would my life be like? What would would I expect a perfect relationship to be like? And I'm I'm not talking about matters of fantasy. If someone asked you, I'm not asking you what it is right now, what it could be, what you would like it to be, That's the vision of something. So another way of articulating vision is the perfect model in your mind, in your heart, of whatever it is that you're addressing. What would that look like? Now, why is that vital? Because when you have that, you can work towards something. Many people have no idea what the perfect model would be. They never thought about it. And it doesn't mean we won't make mistakes in identifying it. But thinking about it creates a standard which you now grow toward, you try to live up to. Without that, what's the standard? What's the, it's like a moving target. We, where you, what are you working toward? What would you like to see? So at Silas in that context, is the perfect existence. The later levels that we will discuss already talk about its implementation, its execution, its coming into reality. So there, the challenge is how to keep it aligned to that perfect vision. But we always have to begin with a perfect vision. That's why it's so beautiful when children dream and imagined, and have that free abandon. That's exactly what they should be doing. They shouldn't be fitting themselves into boxes which are structured and defined yet. Obviously, they have to be disciplined, and we're talking about following the normal etiquette of human, of human relationships. But that part of their imagination is very vital because what they're doing is dreaming, and we should help them, and help ourselves for that matter, the inner child dream of a better world. What would I like my life to look like? And I know most people will answer to have a lot of money and have a bunch of homes and have cars and have all kinds of objects. I'm not talking about acquisitions now. We're talking about what your life would look like in the internal sense, meaning emotionally, intellectually, love, relationships. What would you like your life to look like? What do you think is the perfect life? And answer that question, and you'll learn a lot about yourself. You may even learn some things, and you'll say that sounds very superficial. Fine, so challenge it. Obviously, the ultimate vision cannot just be one based on technicalities. It's based on a vision where you say, I want a happy life. What define, what does happy life mean? That is, my friends, the beginning of developing the atzillas, the visions, the step one. The next week we will be talking about, the next part of this series, we will be talking about the beginning of implementation, taking the vision and turning it into an outline. So, as always, it's a great pleasure to share a few words, and especially in this new exciting series, I'm very enthusiastic about it. I really believe it can be a model that can help each one of us grow, produce better, actualize ourselves, love better, and create a better world for ourselves and for the people around us. Be blessed, be healthy. Meaningfullife.com is our website where you can find a full array of uh, offerings, that help you find your vision and mission and live a meaningful life. Thank you very much. This program is brought to you by the Meaningful Life Center. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at MeaningfulLife.com donate.